and welcome to the Lifestyle Lounge. Join Liz and myself, Michelle, on the sofa at the Lifestyle Lounge as we chat about the highs and lows of empty nester life. We'll be trying out new hobbies, discussing hot topics, trying endless diets, talking travel, outside of school holidays, of course, aging parents and aging pets, having independent kids, how to make the most of more free time and enjoying our 50s whilst keeping healthy and having fun. We'll laugh. We may cry. We'll go off at tangents. But we'll always have space on our sofa for you to join the conversation and feel part of it. So grab a cuppa and join us on the sofa. Hi, and thanks for joining us at the Lifestyle Lounge. We just thought we'd take a moment to introduce ourselves and tell you what it's all about. So I'm Michelle. And I'm Liz. So the big question is, why are we putting ourselves through absolute technical hell and sleepless nights to bring you this podcast? So what is empty nesting? It's a time for us. It's our time to to look after ourselves, to, to spend time with our, our partners, to spend time with our friends, with our animals and pets if we have them. Before they die. Oh, that's not very nice. <laughs> it's true though. What is it about you know, your kids all leave home and then the, the, your yes, family yeah. pet? No, we've hopefully Dies. not yet. No, no. I think that's it, it's an issue though because uh, you know we all get our wonderful family dogs when the kids are about three or four, and it seems to be a natural life cycle that we say goodbye to our kids, they walk out the door, and then we're left with old dogs, and we're the sandwich generation looking after elderly parents. But it is also almost like a sense of bereavement, or at least grief, when your kids leave home and go to college. In many ways, I'm so excited for them because we've all suffered this horrible lockdown and pandemic and they've missed out on so much of, you know, the teenage socialisation and, and parties. You're grateful that they've had the opportunity to travel, to go away, but they've been with us 24-7 for quite a few months. Well, a year, a year, over a year. And so it, it, it's great that they can go and, and it's great that we can do stuff now. And I think it all comes together. Yeah, it can be a real time of excitement and reset, looking at our relationships with our children and our parents and our partners. and our spouses, yeah, our partners. Is it a state of mind? It's not just a physical thing. I think being an empty nester is a state of mind and you can either look at it positively or you can wallow in it. Yeah. No, no you'll comment about it. I've literally forgotten. Do you it's want a, a trigger it's a, word? It's, it's a, it's a pla- it's not peace of mind. It is a peace of mind, actually. A peace of mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. It's just not fair, is it? That's got nothing to do with emptiness. It's been called, yeah, brain fogs, menopause or brain fog. What? <laughs> I do not what know you where you're going with this. What did you say? I don't know. You said something about it's a peace of mind. No, I've actually it's a, forgotten. It's, <laughs> it's not peace of mind. It's a state of mind. State of mind. <laughs> Yeah, you get the points. Yeah, yeah. state of mind. Okay. And I think that it it is a state of mind. It's something that you, as you said, you could wallow in it. And there's nothing wrong with that for a bit. We shouldn't really forget that although, you know, a lot of people think of empty nesters or, or the empty nest syndrome affecting women, mothers the most, I think fathers really have a huge gap in their lives when their buddies go off to university or leave home. 
And don't forget the other siblings that may still be left at home. Yeah, some of them are rejoicing. Some of them are moving into the bedroom before the others can pretty much get their suitcase out the door. But for some, they're losing, you know, an advocate or a source of wisdom or a, a, a friend, a, a mentor. mentor. Yeah, it's, so it's all a readjustment, both around your kitchen table and in our minds. And what we do with it can be really positive or we can fall into a, a bit of a, a sad and lonely place. So this podcast is is not about us knowing everything. We're oh, living it not. at the moment. It's all really raw to us. And we've got lots of energy and we've got lots of imagination and we love doing things. That's the great thing about an empty nester. If you're an empty nester, you have that time. You have to make the most of this time. I think it's something that we should plan for. Planning is a really good point, Liz, actually, because I think a lot of people just drift into it. You're so busy getting your kid, <laughs> nagging them about college applications and getting through high school graduation or, you know, A-level exams and, and the like. By the time they actually leave in August or September, it's it's quite sudden. You've spent all your energy on your kids before they leave and then poof, they're gone. And then what do you do if you haven't planned for it? We've talked to lots of experts in this field, all about empty nest syndrome. We've talked to people about setting up new businesses and looking after your health. We're going to be chatting to people about menopause and how it affects us when our kids have left home. And midlife crisis. Yeah. Male or female. We'll be asking experts about their advice, whether it's about the menopause, about travel, about shopping, about weight loss weight gain. So we're both absolutely terrified about this podcast. <laughs> Sounded like a really good idea over a couple of Chardonnays in the garden. Now, a little bit less so. So bear with us as we take this technical journey and we bring our conversations to behind the mic. But the main thing is we want you to know that you're invited. There's always room on our sofa for another. So come and join us, join in the topics, suggest some topics and subscribe. There's been a lot talked about this recently. Have you noticed how much it's on TV? I think, yeah, but I think it's maybe because we're aware of it. So you think the antenna is up. I think I'm probably a lot more aware of it than I ever used to be. A bit like when <laughs> programmes about the menopause suddenly became interesting. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's it's on our radar because we are empty nesters. Yeah. So Michelle, how did you feel when your eldest left home, fled the nest? Was it flew the nest? I'm not very good at my much. I hope she didn't fled. <laughs> I think she was happy to leave at the time, but it was uh, it was hard for us because we were living in Asia. We were living in Singapore when our eldest went off to university, and when our second went, we were in the middle of an international move back to the UK. So. You know, when the first goes, they've still got the same bedroom and you can still look in there and find it very, very empty. Well, when ours coincided with a move, I didn't have that sort of same sense of normality or lack of. So that was a bit weird. And also just, you know, so much to do and organize and new school and new new house, new location. Everything was so new. I didn't really have a moment to myself to to allow myself to to go through that process um probably with the first or the second the hardest for me and this is when people maybe 
call you an empty nester, but I think it starts with the first, don't you? You know, when when your first kid leaves, the dynamic shift in the house within your family and within, I don't know, it's it's just very different when your first leaves. But you've still got, if you're lucky enough to have more than one kid, then you've still got other people you can boss around and... <laughs> You're still stuck in the school schedule and you're still running them here, there and everywhere. Uh, So the first one does really hurt. But I think the last one, that really hurts. Yeah. But did you find it helped you having a move and changing to a different country? Yeah, in a way it did because it, it just put off thinking about it. I didn't have time to think about it. So that's maybe why it hit you harder. This time round. Yeah, because you were settled, you've got... I wouldn't say stability, that sounds very rude, but you, you, you were... Yeah, well, I'm going from being really busy involved in school to expecting to have more free time. But weirdly, I am just, I'm so busy. How is it for you? So you, you had more of um, a UK experience dropping off. What was it like when you dropped off your eldest daughter compared to your youngest son? Well, I guess with, with my eldest she was really looking forward to leaving home, um, not in a nasty way, but she was really excited. She'd gone back a year in school, so I think she was really ready to go. And we weren't in a pandemic either. No. But dropping her off, yeah, I-, I thought I'd be more upset when she actually sort of packed the car up. She packed the car herself, which I was incredibly impressed by. If you'd actually see her bedroom, she won't mind me saying, she's n- it's not renowned for being the tidiest, but she packed the car and she was, was really keen to go. And I think that's what make- made it easier for my husband and I. I was obviously very upset held it together. When we dropped her off, she instantly bumped into someone she knew, which I think it made made it easier for us and for her. My husband was more concerned about finding a parking space than that, but he was very, very upset as well. I didn't cry until we got to the first, believe it or not, petrol station. Do you know, I've heard that before, that people leave campus and they hold it together in front of their kids. That's why I've, why, I've heard that story so many times. Exactly. We didn't have enough petrol to get back. So I was stopping. It was it was something about the stop. But coming home, it it was okay with her because we did have our youngest still there. So I think it's been really well for me dropping off the third because he was going to an international school. He's gone to us to college in the States. That was really difficult for me because we're in a pandemic still. And when I took off from D.C., I sobbed in my seat on the plane because I thought, well, if he gets COVID and I'm back in the UK or the school gets shut down because there's a COVID outbreak, relying on other people in a foreign country because I know I can't get there for him or my other daughter who's on the other side of of the States, that's really hard. And yeah, I I don't really know the answer to it. You just have to let them go because that's where they want to be. Gosh, I find it tough just being down the M4. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I mean, for me, the second one, ready to leave again. But I, what surprised me was how upset I was with, when he went. I thought it'd be so easy. It was a, a, an easy transition. And it wasn't. I sobbed my heart out, literally dropping him off, which was very embarrassing for him and everyone else around. But, you know, hey, oh, they've seen it they've so seen many it. times. Well, so many times. I, I cried on parents weekend when I got out the taxi and I saw my son. <laughs> and that was what, a month and a half after I dropped him off. I didn't expect to feel that rush of emotion. For me, it was Christmas. For my daughter, dropping off, as I said, was, was I was upset, very upset, but got back, was okay because we had our youngest still there. 
but the issue was after Christmas. And a lot of people do say that is when they come home for the first time and then they go again. And you've just got used to them having back. And then they're ripped from you again. Yeah, but in, not their in mess. In some ways. Yeah, but what they do leave behind is a trail of laundry, mess. Well, everything, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you feel more tolerant towards that? I mean, how do you feel when they come home? Oh, I love it. I love it when they're coming home. Mm. As we speak, I'm expecting one back from university. Very excited. But how can I explain? It, it is it's anticipation. Mm. But it gets easier when they come back and easier when they leave. And mm. you get used to transition. It is a natural mm. transition and it'd be wrong if it wasn't. And it's really funny, isn't it? Because when they leave, they navigate their way in a different location with different friends. They go out. We don't know half of what goes on. Probably a good thing. <laughs> probably a really good thing. But when they come home, isn't it weird the way that they revert to being kids again? Have you noticed that? Do you get the eye rolls oh, or do yes, you get yeah. the, you know, the messy room? Because they can't do that when they're at no, university. No, they suddenly can't do their laundry. Yeah. <laughs> it, that is incredible because I know they do their the washing at university, but it's incredible how it just, it arrives at the it door. falls away, doesn't it? All these skills that they've learned when they were away from home, they're suddenly 14 again. Do you think it's different if you're a working parent or if you have the luxury of being an at-home mum or dad, for that matter. Do you think there's a difference then when when you get to that empty nest situation? Because I think a lot of working mums, you know, you can't get that time back, but you do still have the structure in your day that somebody who's at home more, suddenly there's a lot more space, a lot more quiet around you. Whether you go to work or whether you're at home when you work from home, or whether you're, you're a stay-at-home mum, you, but you've still got your, your routine. And it, it changes. It, it Your life has changed. Mm. I found it, I take on far too much, too many committees, too many voluntary jobs, too many consultancy jobs. Why are you looking at me like that? No, because I'm just checking that it's recording <laughs> you. <laughs> and you can make rash decisions. I certainly did. We miss the children. You're not going to get pregnant, are you? <laughs> I think there's a miracle there. Uh, but... It wasn't, it wasn't us that was missing the children so much. We had two dogs and we sadly lost one. And the other one was wandering around the house looking in the bedrooms. And I felt so guilty. We got another dog. That's not, that's a rash decision. Yeah, no, I can understand why you did that. We had the same thing. One of our dogs died last summer. And we had always had a dog stay downstairs rule. But that little face, <laughs> when she didn't have her buddy around ended up that she slept on my son's bed every single night, which we'd never allowed before. And then what we forgot in this whole dropping off at college thing, we forgot to mention it to Maisie. <laughs> she suddenly, dog. yeah, she suddenly had nowhere to sleep. And although my husband had always said, no dogs in our room, oh. guess where she sleeps? That's what I'm trying to say. Don't make rash decisions uh, when the children go off because... It affects... Well, if you get a dog, it means you can't just go off on a holiday. Say, that's what... That's what exactly. All of a sudden, so, you could take advantage of off-peak travel, but then you've got to find, find a, a dog. kennel yeah, or a, kennel a friend. That, that's another whole thing, but it is. It, it's, what is this term, empty nester? Is it old-fashioned? But it's it's not. it doesn't sound like a very positive term, and I think that this, this time in our lives is positive. We, we're, we're sitting here, we're having fun, we're laughing. Yeah, we're really making the most of it, I think. What have you done since your kids left home that you didn't have time for or didn't do when they were at home is that your is that golf is that what you've really turned to 
I think that's that's more sociable thing, yeah, that it, it's really enjoyable. But I think it's the guilty pleasure of, of being able to sit and read a book. You're jealous, aren't you? <laughs> I would love to sit and read a book. Yeah, no, I think that's that's really it's, nice thing. It was wise words from a friend of mine from years ago. She had older children. She said, don't feel guilty. Just sit. If you want to sit and read your book, read it. I think I still feel guilty about that. Mm. I, I, I don't like know how time. to. Yeah, no, I, I don't know how to stop sometimes. Yeah. I think Do I'm older than you. And I think it, it's come to me. It's taken time. And I think that's how it's happened. I don't know. But it, that, that is a change in me. Mm. Strange. I've really, really focused on that till just now. But really? Yeah. I, I've, 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 more time for myself. Yeah. And not feeling guilty. Not feeling guilty. And it's not being selfish. It's just, why not? Yeah. But then you're, you know, Liz's husband is retired. So you're both able to take advantage of more leisure time. My husband's still working. So I do feel guilty if I'm chilling out on the sofa and reading a book. Oh, I, don't. Don't be silly. I do. I kind of feel like I've got to keep up or at least look busy. <laughs> I, I'm really good at looking busy. I'm sure he wouldn't mind, but it's true, yeah. I do think during the pandemic, though, we were really able to enjoy family time again in a way that's almost back in the 50s. It's all a little bit, it was, you it know, was just watching TV, TV, playing board games together. But then when that's wrenched away, I'm so excited that my kids can have that stage of their life when they're really social and they're not they're not working they don't have to get up in the morning for work but you know they should be meeting lots of people having fun and and going to parties but then it makes the house is so quiet compared to you know lockdown strangely enough it was good yeah i think there's some really positive things out of forcing families to spend some time together do you remember at the beginning when everybody was at home unexpectedly perhaps we hadn't all been around um at the same time all the siblings together which was really nice they got to talk to each other but my goodness the amount of food people went through i'm sure they don't eat that much normally yeah morning noon and night it was just like constant in the kitchen so you don't miss that no i don't (laughs) i really don't yeah it was hot and then the supply chains as well you know you were trying to you're trying to get toilet roll don't know why we needed so much toilet roll but we did we were trying to you know use scraps we were well, again yeah. no it was a bit sort of post-war mentality what? that you don't waste things in the same we time we did build a vegetable patch yeah so, we, I, and then obviously I a year later when we box, don't need it we've now got an abundance of vegetables this i wonder year. how many people across the world have now got vegetable patches they that are just use. rotting I, no, i've got parsnips growing and three leeks three leeks <laughs> that's other, a whole meal Liz. <laughs> Actually, I went to make a soup. I was like, I'm going to make leek and potato soup. Mm. Did you grow the potatoes? I did, but we'd used those. Oh, yeah. I was quite proud of my potatoes. I forgot I did that. So I've only got parsnips and three leeks left. All right. Confession time, Liz. Do you geotag your kids? Have you got an app that tells you exactly where they are when they get back? Um, That's a bit technical for me, geotag, but I've got one that sort of tells me where they are. Yeah. 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 And but they let me do that. Yeah, exactly. It's not really stalking because, to be honest, I think my kids know where I am as much as I know where they are. When I went to try and pick my son up once and I got a bit lost, three hours lost, he was like, where are you, mum? And I went, well, he said, you're in London. And I went, well, yes, aren't you in London? Yes, I'm in Oxfordshire. And I was like, oh, that's, <laughs> that's really quite lost. Oxford Road. <laughs> Oxford Street. Sorry. He's, I thought he said he was in Oxford Street. So, so <laughs> hold on. Let me get this straight. You went to Oxford Street and he was in Oxfordshire. 
oh, you know Satnav? And he just put stuff in. It was Oxford something road he was in. I don't know where it was exactly, but it was somewhere north, he said. I, I That sums me up, everybody. I'm not very good at navigation. <laughs> Uh, so he wondered where I was and he said, what on earth are you doing there? And then I discovered he was in Oxford or somewhere in Oxfordshire. I think that's what we call it. So did yeah. you then go from London up to Oxfordshire? Well, I was driving, yes. You are a good mum. Yeah, never again. So do you tag your, sorry, stalk your children? I do not stalk. I, I gently like to just know where they are at all times. Yeah. No, not, <laughs> not I, I, mean, I say that, but I've got two girls and a boy and when the girls went to university, it gave me a great deal of comfort, to be honest, to know that they had got back late at night. But yeah, it's not stalking at all. It's the fact is that if you suddenly, I don't know about you, I've woken up middle night in a panic. I don't know why. I think mother's instinct going something's wrong. And normally, it, you're right, you know, yeah. there is something. So I remember looking just to wonder where my, my, my daughter was and she was fine. Yeah. But I don't and, know but why. then you know, you, know, yeah. you can just go to, well, you can just go to sleep sunk, again. I don't know too much. Yeah. <laughs> it goes in the planning of... Of, of letting go. Yeah. It's, it's letting go, but still being present. Yeah. I don't I know think. if everyone agrees with what we're saying about this. I don't know. Looking. I mean, I, it'd be interesting I, to hear what other, other people... Most, most friends of mine who have just had kids go off to university, they all do this. I think if the kids let you do it, and I think that's where... Who pays the phone bill? who buys the phones yeah exactly but it's not that i think that most children and they, we call them children still they're not they're, they're they're adults young adults yeah no i i do think it's i do think it's quite a comfort to kids because maybe it was hard for them to leave us perhaps we'll have to ask them so it's nice for them when they know that we're around or it's nice for them to know that we're getting out and having a life and i think i think that is definitely a, um something that one of my kids said when they discovered we weren't in the country and we forgot to tell them that they were delighted, except for they were coming home and hadn't got a key. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it is something that, it's a balance. I was determined. So here's a, here's a thing that I really had, had set down as a goal for myself, becoming an empty nester, was to focus a bit more on my health and well-being and weight management. Because I haven't been able to exercise for a year, I have definitely put on quite a few pounds. And possibly a little bit of pandemic poundage in there from the old bottle of wine or two Never. but i really yeah but i really did think oh this means i can go to the gym and i can walk and i can just spend some time being really healthy because that's got to be a real goal now that over 50 i want to be around for my grandchildren yeah i didn't i failed I, that was that was my first aim and i confess i've already failed at it i think then the whole point is is to make plans, but have loose plans. Because mm. I think you're saying, I thought I'd have loads of time. And of course I do. But it's making time for yourself and your partner. Mm, just making it more of a priority than an also-ran. Rather than some silly thing, oh, I've got to go and do this, I've got to do that, I've got to go mm. and take this laundry and I'll take this dry cleaning. I don't need to do it. It can wait. It's mm. not going to be the end of the world if I don't dig up a plant and replant it somewhere else. So what's your guilty pleasure? Oh, well, uh, that you can repeat on the <laughs> My guilty pleasure. I I don't mind an evening of TV. Mm. I know that sounds really lame, doesn't it? It should be no, a bit more guilty. No, that's the whole that. point. You've got time. No, I like glass of wine, bit of Netflix, watching whatever I feel like. Often strictly, I've missed my TV buddy. That's for sure. And my daughter is really kind. She sat through the first episode with me. I know she didn't like it, but she was just really kind. She she tried to fill in where 
previously, you know, I'd always, it'd been a tradition that my son and I would just sit down and watch it. But yeah, as was the Bake Off. Yeah, Bake Off. And I can't bake. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's the one sort of constant. It's a good point. It's a constant in my life. And it reminds me of, of I mean, even watching it with my son. But I think it is, it, that may be something without realising subconsciously that, that I enjoy sitting there. It's my moment with, with my husband. We, we sit and watch the Bake Off because we used to watch it with the kids. And I think this is what it's all about. Empty mm. nesting or being an empty nester is, as you said, it's a positive. One thing that I really noticed, and this happened before I became a full empty nester, if you like, was that because my son drove to school in his senior year and I wasn't driving there and standing in the car park and chatting with people, I didn't see so many people for a year, really. You know, I had to really make the effort to meet up with people because I, I missed that social time. So that's an, that's another thing you have to address is that, you know, you can choose the people that you really enjoy spending time with, but you've really got to make an effort. Especially with lockdown, we've lost contact with quite a few people that we would normally see on a regular basis. Mm. And you've got to make the effort to pick up that phone or send that email or text them to say, let's get together. Do you think perhaps, though, that it's made it easier to select the people that you really want to spend time with? Yes, you don't want to upset anyone. You don't want to be offensive, but it is your time now. You, you know, we're not on this planet forever. But I think it is, it is, it's our time. That's what a lot, as you said, it's a reset button, I think, uh, mm. lockdown. And uh, when the kids leave home, it's another reset. Mm. Mm. So we've got a double reset. We've got a double reset. That's what does tough. that mean? Yeah. I don't know. I'm 180 degrees <laughs> turning around in circles, trying to figure out life. It's our time. Thanks for listening to the Lifestyle Lounge. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you left a review. Just open the podcast app, tap our cover art, and scroll to the bottom to leave your comments. And please feel free to get in touch with us with topics and ideas you'd like to hear about via our website at www.lifestylelounge.co.uk. See you on the sofa soon.